Italian Wine Podcast. Chin Chin with Italian Wine People. Hello, this is the Italian Wine Podcast with me, Monty Ward, and my guest today is Alison Napius from The Wine Spectator. Welcome. Thank you. Uh, firstly, I have to ask you about your surname. How is it spelt, and did I pronounce it correctly? You pronounced it beautifully. Um, I was well trained. Yes, you did a very good job. It's N-A-P-J-U-S, but the J ends up sounding like a Y in the Netherlands, so I'm told, which so, is my grandfather was from the Netherlands. Okay, now where are you based? I'm in New York City. Okay, so what does your job entail? Well, my job titles, it's Senior Editor and Tasting Director. So there's really two parts to it. First, as a Senior Editor for Wine Spectator, I'm one of the tasters for the magazine. We have 10 people who cover the world of wine. Each of us have an area that they specialize in. For me, I cover wines from Champagne and Alsace in France and regions throughout Italy. Italy has always been a passion and a love for me, and it's a real pleasure to be tasting the Italian wines on a regular basis. So how did you get into writing, and how did you end up at the Wine Spectator? I got into writing through wine, actually. And I started at Wine Spectator in 2000, taking an entry-level position, unpacking boxes, cleaning glasses, setting up the tastings. I wanted to be somewhere where I could really learn about wine from kind of the ground up. And I had an opportunity to taste wines on a regular basis there, and um, kind of a developed over time, including developing as a taster. And then, uh, you know, I found that I had a lot to say about wine once I was tasting it a lot more regularly. Right, so hang on, before you uh, you applied for the job, what were you, what was your job? What were you doing? You were a janitor or something like that. Did you have a, no. did you have a proper job or were you? Yeah, yes, a I hobo? was. Um, I had in mind as a teenager that I wanted to own my own restaurant. I went to a hotel restaurant school and I started working as a manager at a restaurant in New York, Tribeca Grill. And at that time, they were really building their wine list. And I realized what I liked much more was hearing about what we were doing on the wine list than actually doing any of the things associated with being a manager in a restaurant. So, where did the food love come from? Was that a family thing? Um, I mean, food and wine. I guess all goes together. Certainly, yes, there's always been food and cooking in my family, but I wouldn't say, I hope my mom's not listening, but I wouldn't say she's by any means a gourmet chef. I've only got two listeners, so okay. it's unlikely that she will be. Great. But yeah, I think, you know, naturally when you get interested in food or interested in wine, you end up being interested in both of them. So what did your friends think when you got this job? Oh, I mean, how many times have people said to me, how do you get that job? I want that job. Yeah, very, very happy. And I think What that your job? I talk about your job. No, your job then. Even the job then, because you know, if I say, oh yes, today was uh, sitting down to taste through 15 or 20 wines. Even if at that time I wasn't the person officially reviewing them, we encourage our assistant tasting coordinators to taste through everything because all of our tastings at Wine Spectator are blind. And so we rely on this kind of entry level position to come in, organize the wines and set them up in a way that's actually going to allow the wines to shine. So you have to know producer styles, you have to know about the grapes, you have to know about the region. And you know, it's usually most of them come in with an entry level knowledge and then you're doing a lot of study and a lot of tasting to kind of speed up the process. So I mean in the tasting room, well I mean, I'm sure you've got several rooms for, for tasting and organizing things but I mean for just for example is temperature really important, the temperature of the room? Definitely. The tasting room you know is always actually pretty cool. I would say we're more focused on making sure the temperature of the wine is correct and then of course that it's not too warm in the room so things don't get warm quickly and we definitely focus on what the type of wine is, what the preference of the taster is. And for example when I 
taste, I like to taste 15 wines straight through one after another as the tasting coordinator has set it up and organized it. Then I go back and I pair things in a different order that also gives the wines time to open up a little bit. They warm up a little bit. So I like to start off with things quite cool because by the end of the time I'm tasting all of them in my multiple iterations, you know, the temperature will have changed. So you start off maybe at cellar temperature? Cellar temperature definitely for the reds and maybe even a little bit cooler for whites and sparkling wine. Okay, which which is hardest physically to taste? Everyone has their own opinion in the wine industry about which are more tiring. Well, I mean, I, you know, surprisingly, despite the range of wines that I taste, I really don't taste a lot of very big tannic reds. Um, the biggest would be Sacrantino from Umbria. I do taste a lot of sparkling wine, and I think the combination of bubbles and acidity is really challenging. I mean, you definitely get kind of a, a fatigue from that. But if I was tasting, for example, Bordeaux or California Cabernet, I'm sure that would be my answer. So it just, it depends on kind of what grouping of wines you have, I think. I find tasting sparkling wine incredibly, I find it exhausting. Yeah. And my attention span is not, you know, I can't just do 30 sparkling wines. I could probably do that for reds, I've, I've made red wine, but sparkling wine I find really, really tough. Yeah, I would say that I, I never taste more than 20, 25 wines at a time probably, and it's usually less. And, and that would be true of probably most of our tasters, because you don't want to have an off day as a taster or get tired and then all of a sudden you're not giving the wine a fair shake. Yeah, and I think also sparkling wine, do you sort of, when you taste, have a greater respect for, say, sparkling winemakers? Often we think, oh, champagne, they make lots of money, you know, they're all driving BMWs or whatever, and it's really easy, stick a few bubbles in, but it's not, it's very complex, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, making champagne or sparkling wine, traditional method is some of the most complicated winemaking out there. You have two chemical reactions, first fermentation and second fermentation. And to do that, and then at the end of dosage, so you're kind of balancing out the vine, but to do that, you really need to know back in, you know, the winter time when you're pruning the vine, what you're focused on getting out of that wine after it's aged for 15 months, three years in your cellar. So it's a lot of foresight and um, a lot of real attention to detail, I think. So you come home from work, You've tasted X number of wines, you've done, maybe written something, handled some calls, you know, probably a couple of grumpy people and some nice ones and work, work is coming. You go home, what do you do to relax? I like to cook and I like to have a glass of wine as I do it, definitely. I, I actually, to tell you the truth, is the first thing is I probably, I walk home from work a lot and I walk through interesting parts of Manhattan, stretch my legs, clear your mind a little bit. So that's probably first before anything. And then I'm ready to have some food and a glass of wine while I do it. But when you're cooking, and you have a glass of wine in your hand, you're just cooking and doing your stuff and other thoughts are going through your head. It's just a glass of wine. You're not saying, oh, this is a bit acidic or too sweet or too tannic or young or typical. Well, can, mean, you, I, can you switch off? No, I, I think in a way that if something surprises me, yes, I'll still take note of it. But I think that that's actually a very good example of, you know, wine is supposed to be about pleasure. It's not supposed to be about deep analysis and thought all the time. And um, yes, in that situation, I'm just enjoying having a sip, stirring the onions, you know, and, and watching my meal progress. I mean, how much pressure, obviously it's a world famous magazine, you know, any slip, and there'll be hundreds of people ready to shoot, not just you down, but the people in the magazine. But how much pressure do you feel well, I think, you know, we rely a lot on, as I said, it's all blind tasting. So, and we also, I will say that we taste wines often twice in blind settings. So I think, you know, you're, we're really giving the wines a, a good opportunity to show well. And, and I feel like we all have, all of the tasters or wine spectator have trained for a long time, travel to wine regions, have, you know, this depth of knowledge. And so I feel like our methodology is really secure. So pressure, yes, I think in any job you want to put the best foot forward, but we 
really rely on this methodology to be our a sound basis for what we do. How I mean, this may may not be this may be beyond your pay grade, as they say in America. But I mean, how much some um, sort of consumer testing does the magazine do for its readers? Like what our readers like, what our readers don't like. Do you, do you get into that or not? No, really? not not really. I maybe somebody in the company is doing that, but I've not really been made aware of it. More we kind of respond to what we're seeing in terms of page views on our website, feedback from readers, and also you know the magazine is now more than 40 years old and so yes I started I'm, I'm a younger member the senior editors but I have 17 years of experience and there's people with twice that or more at the magazine so I think they have a pretty good you know finger on the pulse of what our readers are interested to see or at least we hope that we're giving them that on a regular basis. Next question I mean, I've written for a few magazines and I think every one that I've written for possibly bar one has at some stage or has now at this current time a female editor if the opportunity came along would you like to edit the magazine or is that just not something that you're interested in you're just happy doing what you're doing uh, it's not a loaded question by the way I'm no just... I, you know I mean I think in a light way so Wine Spectator might have kind of a larger reach but in fact it's quite a small staff of people working there so I am not necessarily an editor but I certainly am asked to look at certain things that might be specific to what I know the most about to make sure that the facts are correct and also to just see if we're kind of going in the right direction so in that regard yes I do some loose editing but no as I said I really got into wine and became a writer so sure if I had to yes I could but I think that probably the magazine would be better served with an editor who catches all the grammatical errors that my editor catches for me yeah I and mean, it's also the commission I mean people don't know commissioning editor is actually somebody that decides what article should be in the magazine or should get published it's not just about dotting I's and crossing T's and things like that it's actually a very huge responsibility no completely I mean I think that um, right now our executive editor Tom Matthews along with Marvin Schenken who's the owner and publisher of the magazine and really the ultimate say for everything depend on a lot of input from the other senior editors from other staff but at the end of the day yes they're the ones who decide and say yes or no down to is this photo for the cover the right thing to really get people to pick up this magazine and it is a huge responsibility definitely so how much input do you have I mean can you ping ideas at Marvin and Thomas and say yes. look I've got this great idea about X region and this angle definitely how does it work what's the you just send an email or you have a board meeting or emails we have meetings regularly throughout the year um, at least two times a year with all of our senior editors both from our Napa office in New York and so there's a lot of brainstorming that go on in those meetings and then yes just send emails or you know stop in their office and sit down and say hey what do you think and that's actually sometimes the best way to do it because then they say well yes maybe but what about this side of it and you can kind of refine the idea before you even start working on it okay so what's your I mean it's always difficult again you're not your favorite wine region but where is somewhere that you always feel really comfortable in your skin a wine region we always I'm not saying the quality of the wine but just somewhere you really feel feel at home, the, the countryside, the weather, the food, the, the style of the pavement, the sidewalk, sorry, that they have, that kind of place. Not, not, oh, my favourite wine is Brunello, therefore I love Tuscany. I think my love affair with Italy began when I was a child and travelling with my family. And so I would say, in general, if I'm traveling for work, I would prefer to be in Italy than anywhere else, probably. To go down to a region is hard. Um, you know, a few years ago, I was in Puglia for the first time. So that was something I've never been in that area. I really didn't know the lay of the land, but I still, I enjoyed it. And it would be hard for me to pick a, a favorite or somewhere that was definitely, I mean, I've spent a lot of time in Tuscany, so I like that. But I also just spent, you know, five days on Mount Etna, and that was completely comfortable and, and lovely as well. So how's so. your Italian? Are you fluent? No, certainly not fluent. And I actually just say that I, I, I get by when I need to, but it is my strong preference if we are going
going over details that it's in English, uh, maybe I will eventually get it to be in Italian. We'll see. No, I'm sure you will. It's, um, I mean, it's, uh, you speak a bit of French. It's not, it's not um, too difficult. What's the, what's the real passion? Is it the writing bit or the wine and travel and food bit? Do you just love writing and getting stuff out or is it? Well, I love wine. Um, and I, I think right now that in the U.S. we have come to this place where finally the conversation of wine is much more open. I think about 15 years ago when I started in the industry, 15, 20 years ago, it was, oh, only people who are you know, certified as an expert should be talking about wine. And I don't think that that's the case anymore, and I don't think that most American wine drinkers feel that way. So I think that this is now a great time to be writing about wine and hopefully engaging a whole new generation of wine drinkers. We're all in the silent writer as well, so we're all in the kind of same position yeah. about um, obviously online publishing and blogging, and yes. um, and everybody now has an opinion. Whether you're a, if you're a car mechanic, you can say, I tried X bottle of wine last night; yes. it was great, or it was terrible. Do you think the future of wine journalism, seeing as wine is sort of a luxury, flippant almost product, is secure? Are we going to find find ways to keep ourselves employed and magazines like Spectator economically viable or are we all just going to fade away? No, definitely. I mean, I think that actually there's the world of wine is expanding. And so, yes, okay, your car mechanic can have their opinion and should have his own opinion about what wine he, she likes to drink. But I think the world of wine is expanding. People are going to be looking for an authoritative voice to help them navigate it and tell them where to focus their energy and attention at any given time. And so I think that the wine journalism will continue on in one format or another, for sure. Great. Well, it's good to hear good to hear your optimism as a, as a wine writer myself. I just want to say thanks very much to Alison Napius. Great interview. Really interesting. I mean, um, there are so many prejudices about the wine spectators, I'm sure you know. <laughs> and I have to say, I've been guilty of that in my time. But um, I really enjoyed talking to you. It's great. Great interviewee. And uh, I appreciate your openness. Well, thank you for having me. Very diligent about what you do and um, a lot of respect. I, I'm very diligent about making sure there's a good glass of wine in my future, too. Yeah, we All don't have time. a glass of wine, so maybe we should go and go. Well, anyway, yes. it's a real pleasure. <laughs> All I right. Want, I want to thank you very much. Thank you. Have a good night. Follow Italian Wine Podcast on Facebook and Instagram.